Welcome back to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. I've got Peter Sorby here with me today, and we're going to be talking about in organizations, when things are going really well, why does everybody feel compelled to focus, to get involved and focus on the little things? Welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking podcast. I'm Peter Cronin, lead presenter of the Black Belt and Thinking. This is a podcast where we look at all things to do with thinking faster and acting more purposefully. I interview experts in their field to try and provide you with the insights to the way they think and the tools and processes they use on a day-to-day basis. If you find value in this podcast, love for you to share it with others. Right, so Peter, you're here to talk to us today about the way organizations in particular, and I'll let you define what you mean by that, um, the way people who aren't involved in the day-to-day, the sort of oversight committees or, or whatever, react when things go well. And it's not how you sort of think they should react. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so organisations, Peter, I'm think, what I'm doing is I'm thinking of um, organisations where there's some sort of um, committee or board or trustee group. Yep. Like schools, the board of trustees, you know, businesses have a board. Um, some small businesses are encouraged to have a board um, as some sort of oversight group. Um, clubs typically have some sort of committee that, that's um, an oversight group to their activities. And what, I, what I've experienced is um, some, some of those organizations are doing well. And when they're doing well, what tends to happen is um, people start raising um, questions around the table about things aren't right or they feel uncomfortable or they have a sense of unease. And then what happens is they start making inquiry into the operations and then they start finding things wrong. Well, not so much wrong, but they start finding things that, that, they view as not being right. And they start making and casting opinions. Trouble is the opinions um, border on close being fact in their minds. And then what happens is they they get, um, they start asking for information and they start asking for this information. And then when they get the information, more and more, questions and queries and inquiry goes into those answers. And then what happens is they start getting distracted from the bigger effects that that organization is trying to cause. Um, For example, growth aspirations, because now people get buried in responding to um, board questions and supplying detail and digging out documents and scrutinizing back through them. So this sounds quite counterintuitive. Is it? Do you think because they, because they're organisations as opposed to say businesses, where businesses might always be busy looking for the next way to make profit, whereas once an organisation is running well, the those peop, the equivalent people are then just start looking for something to keep themselves busy. Well, I think I think in the um, in the in the board sense and committee sense and trustee sense, people feel that their purpose there is to to be useful. Right. And 
when you sit around the table and go, oh, it's all going well, guys, let's go home. That, that seems to not meet the test of being useful. Oh, okay. Yep. So, so what they start doing is they start verging on interference because <laughs> typically these organizations have got a um, CEO or a general manager who's running the operations. Yep. And then what happens is the, the, the group feel like um, they need to um, apply less scrutiny so they can focus now focus on the bigger things. But now they don't know what's going on. So in terms of the detail. So then what happens is they start poking around in operations and we now start violating um, uh, between the, uh, the, the board, the, the, the oversight structure, yeah. And operations. So now that now the general manager or the CEO starts getting annoyed because of this and what he perceives to be interference, interference in yeah. what he's doing. And then probably the worst thing happens, trust is then lost on both sides. Yeah, okay. Because one group's finding little things that are wrong. Yeah. The other guy's thinking, look, if you want to run the joint, run it yourself. <laughs> you know, I can't put up with this. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. these other things that I'm trying to sort out. Like we've got this thing going on tomorrow. I got to get that sorted. I've got a thing going next week. And what do you mean you want me to run around and dig out old stuff that's that's in the archives in order to scrut it and see whether it's fit for purpose for today? You know, like. So do you want me to do it or not? Yeah. And then there's this fear that that bloke's going to leave. And then the problem is the new bloke comes in and it's no better. And we just keep repeating, rinsing and repeating yep. this, this behavior of, of oversight. So then the organization suffers on both sides. And then we get this calamitous um, loop of, of oversight committee fighting um, the operations side of the business. And really, nobody making any progress at all. And then the whole environment gets ugly, and and you know, like it typically gets worse and worse. It never gets better and better. So somehow, um, got to find a way to break that loop cycle. Yeah. Okay. So this might sort of reminds me a little bit in organisations where maybe bigger bureaucratic ones, where I don't know, managers can't get what they want, and they don't know how to get it, and so they just ask for more and more reports to the point that they've got you know. 87 KPIs, which obviously can't all be KPIs. And they've got people spending a ridiculous amount of time researching and filling in reports and stuff for information that really just doesn't actually matter. And rather than actually doing something useful sort of thing. Was that, a, is oh, that different or is that? No, no, like, so, so the noise starts up and in, in, in my vernacular, it's command and control starts taking over. Right. Like, yeah. More than it was before. Like, so, so exactly that happened. So what starts happening is um, people start digging and then they start wanting to make rules up in order to get what they see as their need, which typically is more control. Now, not necessarily more control to be more command and control, but command and control for many is the only thing they know. Yeah, okay. Yep. 
they, they have no other way of, of um, trying to um, be useful. So they resort to KPIs, they resort to rules, they resort to inventing policies. And what, it, what that does is it just inflames that loop more and more um, where everybody gets distracted from the bigger effects that are required. And then these KPIs all start interfering with one another. So they invent a KPI for some operational person to do. And so he focuses on that to meet his KPI. Otherwise, he's got a, you know, a review coming up with the oversight committee. Yep. And then other things, he drops the ball on other things, but he met his KPI. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so he, he goes into these, these um, performance reviews, um, typically sitting in front of a body of people on his own. And what a great experience that is for anybody. Like, how's that fun? So I think the, 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 the people who are oversighting um, have only ever experienced command and control type um, conditions and behavior. And then they start trying to insert that into the organization in order to meet like a, a perfectly valid need of, um, of, of having control. And I don't know that I don't, use the, the word control in the sense that they want control. They can't help themselves. It's like the default. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they're trying to serve um, the, the stakeholders being either the shareholders or, you know, families that own the business or, or the club members, members or something. Or yeah, parents yeah. of schools or whatever it is. And um, they really don't want to look dicks if they're asked a question. And the problem... <laughs> The problem is, you know, yeah. often you know, if somebody will ask a question, you know, oh, you know, like I, I notice in the accounts there's a there's a line item here for for X. What's that all about? You know, and everybody starts rolling their eyes. God, is that the only thing you can think of? Why don't you why don't you try and find a decent question to ask? Yeah. It's useful for everybody. But again, you know, the people who come to these meetings, the the only they don't really know how to ask insightful questions so what they resort to is a question that's just any on on ridiculous that when you get the answer it doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever it's just asking a question for the sake of asking a question yeah yeah or or, or to what to, to feel involved or to feel like you've asked something important or maybe yeah. even to show everybody else that you're you're asking questions so i don't know yeah it's like a salesman going into a into a, a store you know, like trying to um, get sales. And he walks in the door and the first thing he's bombarded with by the, by the, the um, let's call it his customer, is, is the, because that's the only question the bloke knows what to ask is, oh, your prices are too dear. When can yeah, I right. get a bigger discount? Yeah. Because he doesn't really know how to engage in any other meaningful way. Yeah. So, so, and it's a bit like in these oversight committees, that it's difficult for them to ask insightful questions of operations without it sounding like interference and sticking your oar in. Yeah, right. So as you said, there's a bit of a loop operating here. What's the, what, what do you have sort of in your head what the high level of that loop is? I know you sort of went through it, but just to sort of clarify it. Oh, the, the organization, sorry, the organization suffers from both sides. Yeah. So it gets it gets stuck and it can't break out. So 
So for the organization to, um, if, if you use the words be happy or be successful or, you know, uh, meet, meet the stakeholders' needs, somehow that loop's got to be broken. Yeah. So, but so oh, do you have a sort of a summary of the of the loop? Yeah, yeah. So, so if I sort of, I've got something written down here, which you obviously can't see. No, no you read it out though. So let, let me read it out. So we, we feel pressure to stop the malaise or the sense of discomfort. Yep. So we start making inquiry into operations and ask for reporting. Yep. And then we apply scrutiny to the, to the um, inquiry and the reporting. So we ask for more detail and make suggestions and requests. Yep. And then when we start doing that, we get distracted from, from the um, organization's bigger effects that we want. So yep, when yep. that happens, we sort of start another side of this, this loop where we then feel pressure to apply less scrutiny to focus on the bigger things. And then when we do that, we get even less detail. So now we don't know what's going on at all. So we feel the need to now get involved. So now we get involved, but the problem is that it, that involvement typically doesn't have a lot of structure around it. Yeah. And when you have an organization with um, like an oversight committee and a general manager and operations, so you've got this general manager in the middle, he starts feeling violated. And everything that's asked or requested lands for him as interference. Mm. And he's getting distracted from doing what he's trying to do. And then what happens is trust gets lost on both sides. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah. because all this pushback starts up and the people don't understand what pushback's all about. You know, why don't you, and then, and then command and control takes over. So then they go, well, why don't you just do what we ask? Yeah, you know, we're the oversight committee. We employ you. So then people start digging, digging into, into contracts to figure out what the terms are and what they can and can't do. And then the organization suffers from both sides of that loop. Yep. So the management or the, the um, oversight committee is now blocked because they're not really sure how to go about being useful. Yep. You've got the general manager now feeling like he's not being useful either. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the more, yeah, the more pressure they put on him, the more he pushes back, which means they feel yep. compelled to put more pressure on and so on. Yep. And then the, the huge negative effect from all of that is everybody's disgruntled. Yeah. And and typically in many organizations that have got oversight committees, a lot of that's volunteer effort. Yep. Um, and general, uh, the um, general manager or the CEO says, oh, look, I'm, I'm over this. And he's on a contract with maybe four weeks notice or whatever. And so he just, he can just walk. Yep. But the but the committees or the oversight committees left with the job is still trying to get the organization to function. Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Because all of this has come about from the business, well, not, sorry, from the organization when it's actually doing well. 
It's like a severe negative side effect. It's a severe negative side effect. And um, there was an interesting article in um, um, Stuff, so overseas listeners won't know what I'm talking about, oh. but in New Zealand, we got this digital newspaper um, thing called Stuff. Opinion rag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and But there was a very interesting article on um, um, major infrastructure projects in New Zealand where um, the contractors fight between one another to win work, yep. and, and the whole thing between that and the customer just goes downhill and everybody resorts to contracts to figure out who to um who, who to sue who yep so the lawyers get involved and everything just goes down the plug hole really and however somebody stood up one day and said look this is this is a hopeless way for us to conduct this huge um, huge money movement in these infrastructure projects where where nobody trusts anybody yep so we need a better way. And they came up with a better way where it became way more open book, where there was actually clauses written into the contracts that said nobody can sue anybody for anything. So right. now lawyers were involved and they actually had to go and sort things out. Imagine that. Imagine that, you know, having a conversation over the table. And, and so a lot more effort went into actually making the project go better. And projects started coming in under budget and under time. Like it, it was quite, apparently it's quite stunning. And I think uh, when I think of this loop that's in operation, Peter, I think, you know, I look at that article and go, man, what, the, what these organisations need is a new way to run these entities where we have um, particularly volunteer effort, yeah. as opposed to professional boards, but volunteer effort um, and you're trying to, to keep stakeholders of that organisation happy, whether that's the customers that come or whether that's the beneficial owners or the members or the parents or whoever that is, you've got to keep those people happy. And somehow you need a person um, like a general manager who's managing operations in order for that to run well in order to deliver to the um, um, to the stakeholders, but somehow we need a new way for that to operate, such that that loop doesn't kick in. Yeah, right. Well, I was, that's where I was going to head. Because what's <laughs> have you got any sharp ideas? Well, Peter, I, I'm pleased you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. I suppose the problem is uh, I'll, I'll say stuff and people won't even know what I'm talking about, but um, um, Peter and I have been working for years um, trying to help people break these loops because these loops come up in all sorts of shapes and sizes. You know, it's not just the one we're talking about here. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some um, pointers as to sort of the sorts of things that I think can be done. Um, so a lot of it's around communication. Yep. So if we had a if we had a policy where everything was fair, clear, and no surprise, for me that's a loop breaker. Yeah. Okay. Do, 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 I know what you mean by that. Do you want to break that down a little bit? Well, when when you have um, a, commi a committee or an oversight committee, and you have a general manager, and you've got a policy in place where you say, "Look, guys, the way 
The only way we can operate here, we've got to be fair to one another. We've got to be clear, which means we've got to communicate usefully to one another. Yep. And nothing should be a surprise. So we need to be alerted of things that we would deem to be a surprise. Right. Now, I know anything, in Parliament... Anything, anything, something massive changes, yeah? Yeah, right. yeah well, I know yeah. in Parliament, they had this big thing with the ministers that none of the CEOs can put the minister in a position where the media ask a question that's of, of um, sort of almost national importance and the minister doesn't know anything about it. So they, they call that no surprise. You've got to have no surprises. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so people are alerted to. So, so typically general managers are the ones that see um, risks starting to occur somewhere over something. And what they need to do is alert the oversight committee that this risk is manifesting, but it hasn't come to, um, let, let's call it a cost yet. So at the moment, it's just bubbling away and the risk is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And something's going to happen. We just don't know when and how big. Um, so that, that sort of thing. And when it comes to, um, when I talk of being clear, Peter, many people don't know how to be clear in communication. You know, they say one thing, but they mean something else. Yep. So there's actually an art in learning how to be clear. Um, and, you know, we, we, I mean, we have courses on that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Black belt and thinking comes to mind, where we learn how to, to write down statements and, and be clear in communicating them. Um, and in, in particular, we learn how to listen. And I think... A lot of people in these, in, in the in volunteer effort and committees, the art of listening is just escape them because that they they're there pushing their barrow for their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so being You're waiting being, their turn to speak. Yeah, yeah. So being fair, clear, and no surprise, I think is, is yeah. Great. This podcast is brought to you by the BBIT. If you want to improve your own thinking and problem-solving skills. Visit blackboutandthinking.com to sign up now. Um, loyal opposition. I think you get into these, this particularly volunteer committees and even professional ones, really. You know, you get around the table and there's six or seven of you and, and then in order to finally determine something, because nobody can figure out what the win-win is, so yep. we end up with a win-lose or a lose-win or a lose-lose, so we have a vote. That'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and then, the, and then the vote goes 4-2, clear majority to do something. So two people are annoyed because their side, um, they didn't win their side. But to have loyal opposition means that it's gone to a vote. We have to democratically accept that a vote was had and two people lost, but the group of six must continue as though all six are in favour. Everybody's had their say. You've had your vote, and you have to move on like all six are in favour, and you can't go saying things, you know, like a month in. Told you so. <laughs> Told you it wouldn't work. <laughs> yep. Should have listened to me. You voted me down. Like all that sort of language, you know, j just causes dysfunction in, in these committees. So, so yeah, so they sort of got to accept that they're a team rather than just a bunch of individuals, right? Which Correct. is often what this sort of thing is. Yep. Yeah. So loyal opposition. I think something, another useful idea that as a loop breaker is choose and make it right. 
So once somebody's chosen to do something, so once a decision's been made, then make it the right one. So take action to make it right, like be decisive, get on with it, get it done, don't muck around, Yep. do it. Um, another one is points of culture. I think um, having points of culture, and I mean, I mean, people go, oh, it's, that's a bit like a wet rag, you know. <laughs> all these points of culture around, but nobody takes any notice of them. I think that the, having the conversation of what our points of culture should look like, even if it only ends up as being a conversation is useful, because I think it brings a meeting of the minds together on the culture that you'd like to have. Yeah. So, so I think that that's useful because it makes clear how we behave to meet our values. So once we've established the values, then it gets clearer how we should behave in order to meet those values. And it, it gives you a good way to, um, when I say advertise or market or make prominent or yeah, this is, this is our organization and this, these are our culture values. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. Is, yeah, this is why we're here. And again, that's another loop breaker because you you start drying up the noise of the of the um, minutia. And it and it makes it a bit clearer what the overall goal is, because I think in a lot of these um, organizations, the goal's not clear. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people like at the golf club. Is it clear why people belong? It's actually quite interesting, the golf club. So you, you could say, oh, what's the goal of the golf club? Well, all I want is nice green grass to go and play golf on. And I want to be able to play golf on a Sunday, yada, yada, yada. And I want the greens to be good, well kept, not rubbish, not divity. You know, like, so people have a, many golfers will have the same view that when they go out to play golf as a recreation thing or as a fun thing, the course is to look a certain way. Oh, yeah, but, you know, I want to go out on a Sunday. I think we should have tournaments on a Sunday because that's when people are most available. And so we should have formal competitions. And, you know, since it's a competition, if you don't qualify, you can't participate. Yeah. <laughs> and then the noise starts up again. <laughs> so it is difficult for people to set the goals of, of an organisation, but I think the points of culture um, help in that. Yeah, and that helps, as you said earlier, with the, the clear and fair thing. That's that's helping clarify and, you know, well, no surprise as well, right? If you, if the committee members or perhaps even the, the club members or whoever they are decide on those things and, and agree with them and communicate them, it all kind of gets it out in the open, right? Rather than all these yeah. things in people's heads that you might or might not know. Yeah, and I have another one, Peter. Um, it's called No DRP. Oh, yeah. DRP, directly responsible person. And for me, what, what that means is you're trying to dial out from people their defensive response. Yep. So it's very easy for people of responsibility when asked a question to be sarcastic in reply or provide not useful answers or provide pushback rather than trying to be useful. Now, I know for me personally, it's actually a behavior flaw that I have, but it's very easy for me to trot out 
what I would call a DRP response and not <laughs> be useful. And it was something that was pointed out to me like 15 years ago. And um, even though that got pointed out to me, and even though I work quite hard at it, even today, I find that I can give a DRP response and then realize what I've just done. Right. And try and retract it and provide something useful. Now, in, in over these oversight committees, particularly volunteer ones, DRP is rampant. And we need a way to stop that behavior, which again is another loop breaker. Yeah. Um, and if people could talk around the table without DRP and provide useful responses, it would make a hell of a difference to the way these, these oversight committees behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, what they expect of others and how they expect them to behave. So you can, ima you can imagine a, a volunteer committee and the general manager or CEO working together and you've got DRP going rampant. That loop just goes ballistic. Yeah. And, 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 and trust is lost both sides is, is just operating all the time to the point where people don't want to come to work. People don't want to be on committees either. Yep. And it's funny, isn't it? I mean, the moment I said that, I realised that um, that when you say to somebody, oh, look, how would you like to be on the committee of X, Y, Z? And they go, oh, don't bloody think so. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. <laughs> but maybe... Yeah, right. Well, it's probably one of those things where What's the thing that anyone anyone who wants to be a politician probably shouldn't be a politician? It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, anybody yeah. who wants to go and be a committee member probably shouldn't be. Yeah, they're just yeah, there to exactly. push your own agenda. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because the, the people who should be on the committee are all too busy running their own businesses or doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and, haven't, and, have, and haven't got time for it. Now, that's some of the, that you might call culturally or behaviorally things, but I have some others. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to finance, one of the big things in um, volunteer groups is to be able to understand the money. Yeah, right. Yep. And money, sh the, the, the money should not be a surprise to them. So they should get reports. But the reports have got to be useful and they've got to be reasonably timely. And I think in many committees, numbers are just shoved in front of them, but they don't really know what, what they are or what they mean. As long as there's money in the bank, enough to pay the bills this week, that's sort of about as good as it gets. Yeah. So I have a, a couple of um, steps here. There's, there's a thing we call, call the red line that's highly useful for voluntary clubs where it makes clear um, how many days' worth of money we have left if we pay all our bills and don't receive another dollar. Yeah, right. And knowing how many days of comfort you have settles down the disquiet about the money. They feel safe. They can go home and sleep at night. Yep. Um, and we have a thing called a granary that's a bit like the, um, the, the grain silos at, on a farm. And the grain is kept for a year and the farmers hold it back, you know, for a bad season next year or a hard winter or uh, better prices next year, or whatever that is. Well, in business, we can have a granary too that looks after the money, like for this year, 
and next year, like it takes a longer term than the red line, which is typically, you know, um, you know day, week, month. Well, granaries tend to be, you know, month and year. So you're protecting the variation or the unknown and the uncertainty that occurs. You don't know what events are going to come up. You don't know what repairs and maintenance you might have to do or what capital monies you might have to spend. But whenever it crops up, you need money to be able to do it with. So, that, so those tools help people understand how much money they've got um, in order to cope with the unknown. And that makes people go home and sleep at night too. Yep. Um, and then we have this um, money measure that I call throughput. I call it that because um, it's a specific thing that gets away from a lot of the other terminology that's thrown around you know, margin, gross profit, um, cost of goods sold, all these words get used, but many people have different definitions for it. Yeah, yeah. But I think if we use um, throughput for these, these um, um, oversight groups to, to understand what's happening in operations and for that general manager or CEO to understand what's happening in operations, the, the purpose of it is, to, is for the money reports to be always telling the truth. So a problem, and it happens in big business as well, is people start allocating costs around. Like um, to take the golf course where somebody will say, oh, look, you know, the greenkeeper, you know, he's here, he's, he, it costs us X amount to, to maintain the greens. So therefore, we're going to apply greenkeeper costs to the various events that we hold so that we can understand the true cost of running that event. And everybody goes, yep, that, well, that makes sense got to know the true cost. The problem with it is the moment you have allocation anything, then people can make up allocation rules and all of a sudden different money has been allocated over the events. This event's going to get more than that one and then they change the rule and that event gets more than the other one now. So, so people start fudging the truth. And the easiest way to tell the truth is to not introduce fudging or fudge factors or cost allocation or departmental profitability. And so by using um, none of that, um, then it's easier for us to tell the truth in the numbers. I mean, the committee um, look at reports, it's easier to be able to see where the money came from. And if you have events, for, so for example, uh, the golf club might have a tournament on Sunday, they get money for that tournament from entry fees. They've got to pay some specific costs for um, um, maybe referees or whatever they have to hold that event. Yep. And the money that's left over goes into the club bank account and that's the contribution from that event. And so the, 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 the money to the club is made up of all, of all the various income streams, but it doesn't have costs allocated in order to understand event profitability. It's just, in effect, um, money contributed from that event. And so members can see how much money that event did actually produce. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. So throughput for oversight committees, I think is invaluable. I think it's one of the, um, the big pluses of how to manage the money. Yep. So that's another loop breaker into the minutiae. 
um, Peter, but it's, it is difficult because no matter if you do all that, people still want to know certain things because they just can't separate themselves from, I need to know in order to be comfortable. Yep. But, but every time they ask that, it kicks that loop into place again. But the idea of all these things I've mentioned is it creates reasons not to kick that loop on it. Breaks the loop, but the people still need a way to deal with people who ask these sorts of minutiae questions and say, well, hang on a minute. We have these tools here to stop this loop getting kicked into place. When you ask your question, what is the purpose of your question? And when you get the answer, what are you gonna do with the answer? And they try and try and get to the bottom of why that person actually wants to know that information. Because many times they ask it because they don't really know what else to ask. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's sort of key, isn't it? Understanding the, the purpose of the question. Much, yeah. much like having clarity in the answers, as you said earlier, key thing is that, yeah, have clarity in the questions. Yeah. Ideally before you ask them. But uh, but if not, if that's not possible, at least after you've asked them to clarify the purpose of the question. Because quite often people, as you say, don't actually know how to ask the question. Yeah. They want to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So for the purposes of this um, podcast, Peter, um, I'm gassed out of breaker <laughs> ideas. Yeah, well, I think if anybody's in that circumstance, a lot of ideas there for them. Um, you're listening along, you're in an organisation where you can see those symptoms of heading downhill where oversight committees start meddling into operational people and, and the relationships break down. Um, I, I guess I would recommend the, your earlier ones where to start. Start with clarifying, as you said, the purpose um, and everything and trying to get really clear on, on, uh, uh, on anything that you're discussing and agreeing um as to the purpose of the discussion and and why even have the discussion in the first place is it actually material to to the organization or should we be focusing on getting on with it yeah exactly yeah. all right okay well hopefully it was uh useful to yeah anyone um in organizations and, and seeing those symptoms some ideas that you can uh go out there and have a crack at deploying and of course reach out to us if you got if you have a go at them or you you want a bit of a bit of a chat about how to deploy them all right. Thank okay. you, Peter. Peter, thank you. Thanks for the conversation this morning. You're welcome.